Hey, well, it's so good to be with everybody this morning. Uh, my name is Brandon. If you haven't met me before, I'm the associate pastor here. And every time I get up on stage, I like to introduce myself again to everybody because we never know who's coming in. We got a lot of new people visiting all the time, so you know who I am. But you might find it kind of interesting that I never, uh, never, I, I, I rarely want to lead when I go, you know, like I, I come here and I say, I'm the associate pastor. But when I'm out in the, about in the city, walking around, doing things, meeting people, hanging out at neighborhoods, houses, whatever, like... I don't really lead with, hey, I'm a pastor. Uh, because people are weird, right? People get weird. It's like a dividing line right there. You're like, you walk up to somebody and say, hi, I'm an engineer. No one cares, right? Not, nothing against engineers. It's just, it's normal. But you say, I'm a pastor. Everybody gets, whoa, that's awkward. What do we do? And people don't know how to react, right? And so like, uh, I'll, be, I'll be walking up to somebody and, they, and they, they do one of two things. Either they start apologizing for everything they said up to that point. <laughs> Or they start acting super like holy and righteous, like all of a sudden, like they're a super Christian. Uh, or I've even had one time when I was a youth pastor, I was at a high school hanging out with some kids and one kid just cussed and ran when they found out I was a pastor. I was like, whoa, <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay. I'll be like at like a neighborhood barbecue, right? And, and I'll be hanging out. And, and this kind of scenario happens to me often where like a guy will come up and, he, and, and he'll just be like, oh man, it's been a bleep of a week. I just want to get drunk. And... And then he's like, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And, and they always do like a double take, like a what? And I'm like, I'm, I'm a pastor. And, and then you, you kind of watch, you kind of just see it like get up to their face all of a sudden. Like it takes a while, a little while to connect. And all of a sudden it's like deer in the headlights. Oh my goodness, what just happened? And then it's just like, oh my goodness. All of a sudden it's like a complete transformation. He's like, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> day by day, day by day. You know, and, and then, and it's kind of funny. It's almost like a superpower that pastors have where we can just, you can just transform people right there on the spot. <laughs> but and the reason I'm telling you this in, in my scatterbrainness this morning is, is because a lot of us, we're pretty careless with the things we say sometimes, right? I think we could all admit that sometimes we're very, very careless with our words and we know how to act in church, we know what to say when we're here. We know what we shouldn't say when we're here. Like when you're around churchy people, you know how to say churchy things and act churchy, right? And you know what words you are on limits and what words are off limits. But I wonder sometimes for many of us, if, if we were to listen in on your conversations at home or your conversations in the workplace or your conversations at school, would you be saying the same type of words that you say when you're here? Because if, if we're honest, I think a lot of us, we can get very careless in our speech and, and we can let things fly out of our mouths when we're, when we're angry, when we stub our toe and when we're, when we're emotional or when we're unguarded and we're just relaxed and, and, and all of a sudden things start coming out of our mouths. And, and the reason I'm saying this is, look, I'm, I'm not the word police, okay? So I'm not going to go around trying to shame everybody or yell at you because you said something you shouldn't have said, you know, getting all upset at you. But God cares about our words. God cares about what we say. And, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but he's watching and he's listening to the things that are coming out of our mouths. And that should terrify us a little bit, shouldn't it? It scares me a little bit to think that God's listening to everything I say and that he cares because words, they have power, don't they? They have the power to destroy or they have the power to build up. They have the power to bless or they have the power to curse. Proverbs 18:21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life, your words have insane amounts of power, don't they? And so as we think about this today and we're wrapping up this reverence series, what I want to talk to you about this morning is just being reverent in our speech, being reverent with our words and the things that we say. 
So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 22. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles under the chairs or in the pews in front of you if you need one, or we're going to put it up on the screens as well. But Matthew chapter 12 is where we're going to be digging into today. And uh, just kind of setting it up, it's kind of the middle of the gospel of, of Matthew, and, and Jesus has been doing his thing, and he's around the Sea of Galilee, and he's been preaching, and he's been teaching, and he's been healing people, and all these miracles are happening. And so everybody who's got an ache or a pain or an illness is like, I need to go see Jesus because he's healing people, right? And he's drawing these big crowds. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are lurking in the shadows like they always do, right? They're just kind of lurking and watching and waiting and hoping, like, where's the opportunity that we can pounce and, and bring Jesus down a notch for this or, or that, right? And so with all that in mind, here's, here's what happens. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 22. It says, then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, Jesus, and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? Now, this, this is incredible to me, right? They, they bring this guy to Jesus who can't speak, he can't, he can't see, and Jesus opens his eyes and he opens his mouth so he can speak and see. And everybody's in awe, this is amazing, oh my goodness, wow, how incredible what Jesus did, just did. And I think it's kind of ironic and kind of interesting that as Jesus is about to get into uh, rebuking the Pharisees for something that they say, he opens the mouth of another person, right? Um, and sometimes we think of, yeah, it's a blessing to be able to speak, but we, our words can also be a curse sometimes, and they can cause some serious damage and, and get us in some serious trouble. And so the Pharisees, they see this, and rather than denying the fact that Jesus healed this guy, I think that's kind of interesting, right? They didn't just flat out deny it because it was undeniable what had happened to this guy. People knew him. Cities and communities were small. Everybody grew up around this guy. They all saw what happened to him. And so rather than being able to deny it, which they couldn't deny what had just happened, instead they twist it and they say, we got to spin this narrative a different way. And so they say, well, it wasn't Jesus healing him by the power of God. He did it by another power. And here's what the Pharisees say in verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. So they said, Jesus is working under the power of Satan. That's pretty blasphemous stuff right there, isn't it? Jesus, the son of God in flesh, isn't operating under the power of God. He's operating under the power of Satan. And if, if you can imagine, that's, that's not very cool in God's book. Like, he's, he's not very excited about that kind of blasphemous talk. And Jesus, being who he is, knows what they said. He knows their thoughts. And here's what Jesus says. Here's how he responds to them and starts telling them about their words. Verse 25. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And then it keeps going. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom you do your sons cast them out, therefore they will be your judges. But if it's by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus is basically saying, he's calling out their hypocrisy, right? Like why would Satan attack himself? Why would he destroy himself? He's not going to do that. And then here are these Pharisees, or these, these Pharisees and religious leaders, he's saying like their sons were trying to do the same things that Jesus was doing, right? Their sons were going around trying to cast out demons and, and heal people or whatever. And, and so, so somewhere along the lines, whether it's their actual sons or their spiritual sons or whatever, these guys were going out and doing it and the Pharisees were endorsing that behavior. But then when Jesus did it, they said, oh no, he can't do that. That's by Satan. He's pointing out just the, the hypocrisy in them, right? And then he continues in verse 29. 
Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And Jesus is kind of alluding here to what his mission and what he was doing, right? He's going to the strong man's house to Satan to bind him, to plunder from him, right? He's plundering people from the grips of Satan and forgiving them and freeing them so that they can have a home in heaven. It's incredible. Jesus came to plunder what, what Satan was doing by binding him up and, and making him powerless over what he did for us on the cross. Pretty incredible if you think about it that way. And then here, here we go. We're about to get into some seriously deep theological waters. Are you ready? You're not ready. We're, we're going to go there anyways, though, because that's what I've, we're doing. So <laughs> hopefully you're awake for this. But we're about to get into something that Jesus drops kind of a, a theological bombshell that a lot of Christians have wrestled with. And, and some pastors would be kind of like, let's just skip over that part and keep moving because it could distract from the rest of the message. But I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I want to make sure that we're not just avoiding the difficult stuff in the Bible. So here we go. Verse 31. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Now that's great news right there. Amen. Every sin, every blasphemy will be forgiven. And if there was a period right there and he just stopped, most people would be like, yes, put that on a bumper sticker. That is a great thing. But he continues, look at this. This is where people get confused. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, which is what Jesus called himself, will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, what does that mean? That's some deep stuff to think about right there, right? Is, a lot of Christians get kind of wrapped up in this. Is, is this an unforgivable sin? God says, Jesus says, I'm going I'm to forgive every sin and every blasphemy except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? There's a lot of Christians who've got, got wrapped up in this thinking, oh my goodness, so that, that's a scary thought, right? What if I said something negative about the Holy Spirit? Am I condemned forever, unforgivable for the rest of my life? Did I totally blow it? Like, what, what do I do with that, right? I've counseled a lot of different people who have kind of wrestled with that. Um, and, and here's the thing. Uh, we we got to go back and notice that like Jesus says, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. But this one, speaking negatively against the Holy Spirit, there, there's some serious ramifications for that one. Uh, but here's the thing. I think it's, what it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean just speaking negatively about God. Because Jesus even said, look, if you speak ill about me, I'll forgive you. But there's something unique about the Holy Spirit and the work that the Holy Spirit's doing that we shouldn't talk against. So what does that mean? Anytime you get into the Bible and you're wrestling with a question or you get a section like this that's kind of confusing, you're like, how does that work? I really encourage any, every, every believer who's, who's serious about studying the Word of God to have a good study Bible with them. And I was looking at the ESV study Bible this week, looking at this passage, and I thought it had a really helpful quote. It says this, a blasphemy against the Spirit is the persistent and unrepentant resistance against the work of the Holy Spirit and his message concerning Jesus. The persistent, unrepentant resistance, right? The person who persists in hardening his heart against God, against the work of the Holy Spirit, and against the provision of Christ as Savior is outside the reach of God's provision for forgiveness and salvation. So they're saying what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, okay, maybe this is an easier way to think about it. How are we saved? We're saved by grace, the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. 
That's, how, that's what the Bible teaches, right? We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. And uh, a theological word that, that a lot of theologians use is uh, the word regeneration. Maybe you hear that word sometimes. And what that means is the Holy Spirit, as we are forgiven, as we believe in Christ and we are forgiven and freed, the Holy Spirit works this new act of regenerating our hearts. He takes out the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. We're made new. We're created new. We are born again. There's all these different kind of language. Of where it changes us from the inside out, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does as we are saved. And so, if you look at this, like this blasphemy about the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? You got to look at it and go, okay, well, if somebody is persistently rejecting the Holy Spirit, persistently, their heart is so hardened that they're rejecting and resisting and even calling and blaspheming against, they see an undeniable work of God and saying, that's like what the Pharisees did, that's the work of the devil, you know, doing that kind of stuff, then yeah, it's pretty hard to be forgiven in that point, right? Because how, do, how are we forgiven? We repent, we humble ourselves before the Lord, we believe in him, we trust in him, right? You gotta have that posture of forgiveness, but if you're constantly rejecting and denying and your heart is so hard, God, Jesus is saying, yeah, you're not gonna be forgiven with that. Does that make sense? Okay, because I've been asked this a bunch of times by a bunch of different people and they can get really worried about it, but here's the thing. If you are asking this question today and you're like, have I com committed the unforgivable sin? Am I too far gone? Okay, Jesus said every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. And if you're asking this question about whether or not you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that's evidence that you haven't. Because somebody who's so hardened to, to blaspheme and, and, and resist the Holy Spirit persistently, unrepentantly, over and over and over again, okay, that person doesn't even believe the Holy Spirit exists. And that person doesn't even care. But if you actually care because you love the Lord, because you want to be forgiveness, because you love Jesus, you're, you're saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. So you don't have to, to, to worry about that if, if that's something that, that you've, you've thought about before. All right? Okay, now I want to jump into the next part because it's really tempting. Like we could get really bogged down in that, but that's a whole other thing. I want to get into in what Jesus continues to say, and this is kind of the bulk of what he starts saying about our words. In that first section though, just, he's basically just getting into, look, what we say about God is serious and God takes that very seriously, right? Uh, verse 33, he continues. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. An evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So maybe you've heard that before. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And what Jesus is getting at, look, like a good tree is going to produce good fruit. Bad tree is going to produce bad fruit, right? A good, healthy apple tree is going to produce delicious apples and everybody's going to enjoy it, right? Uh, when I was a kid growing up, my grandma had a farm and she had all these apple trees and they were not good apples. Uh, we, we were told we're not allowed to eat these apples because they were crab apples and they were super small and like sour and terrible and they can make you sick or whatever. That's a bad apple tree right there in my book, right? The only thing they were good for is me and my brothers would use them to throw at each other and have wars. It was a good time. Um, but you can't eat them. Bad tree, right? But a good tree, that's going to produce the good fruit. And what Jesus is getting at is, look, our hearts are like the root and our words are the fruit. Whatever is in here is eventually going to spill out. Whatever's in here is eventually what's going to come out of here, right? And so if, you're, if your words are filthy and they're nasty and they're vile and they're slanderous and they're gossiping and you're lying and you're, you're you know, all these different things that you can do with your words to harm and hurt other people, right? You got to go, look, what's going on in here if that's coming out of your mouth? And you show me somebody who's, who's, speech is filthy and vile and nasty. And I'll show you somebody who's probably got a filthy and vile and nasty heart. But if your speech is pure 
and good and encouraging and, and, and righteous and a God honoring, then I'll show you somebody who's probably got a good, pure, honest, you know, God honoring heart. Nobody's perfect, but you know, you, you can, you can see a difference in somebody just by the words they say, can't you? And so you might look at me today and you might go, hey, Brandon, like, come on, it's, it's just words, right? Like, it's just words. What is that? What is that? It's, it's not that big of a deal, right? And, and here's what I would say back. Words have power. Words have power. I mean, think about this. God created the heavens and the earth, how? By, with words, by speaking it into existence. When we come here to church and we read the word of God, right? This is, just, this is words, but these words are powerful, right? We gather to sing what's in scripture. We gather to, to, to hear it taught, to hear it read, to study it ourselves uh, because God's words are powerful, right? And even our own speech, I mean, words have the power to, to, to topple nations, to start wars, uh, to corrupt minds. Like there's so many things that our words can do. And you probably know this from experience. Maybe somebody said something to you once that was so hurtful that you're still carrying it to this day and it still stings when somebody brings it up. Or maybe somebody said something on the other side that was so positive and so encouraging that that's been wind in your sail for years. Words are powerful. So when we talk about our words, it's not like, oh, it just doesn't matter. Words, words are not that big of a deal. Well, God cares <laughs> and, he, and he says so much. So here Jesus continues and it gets pretty intense right here. He says in verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, People will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Now that's scary, isn't it? I know for me, that's a little terrifying, right? Every careless word we're going to be held accountable for. Like just imagine, like imagine, and this isn't probably how it's going to work, but just imagine like you go to, you, you die and you go to heaven one day and you're standing before the holy and righteous God. He's the judge, right? And you're in like a courtroom and he sits you down at a table and he pulls out one of those old school tape recorders, the kind that actually had like tape in it. You know what I mean? Some of you people know what I'm talking about. The younger folks, like they don't get it. You've never seen one of these before, but he pulls out one of these old tape recorders, right? And he hits play and you hear your voice and every careless word that you've ever said begins to, to play out of this tape recorder. And every once in a while, God pauses it and he says, okay, give me a count for that one. Why'd you say that? What were you thinking then? How could you say that about that person? Ugh, like that's, that's a scary thought, right? Now, I don't think that's exactly how it's going to go down, but that's kind of what Jesus is getting at. He's like, someday you're going to give an account for every word you, you said. Think about it this way. This is, this is kind of scary. If on judgment day, we stand before God and we, he doesn't hold us accountable for any of our actions, just our words, that's enough to condemn each and every one of us in this room. For the lies we've told, for the, the gossip we've shared, for the, for the hurtful things we've said to other people. Oof, right? That's some scary stuff right there to think about. But here's the good news, right? What did Jesus say? Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven if we just believe in him. That's the good news, isn't it? Because at the end of our life, if we believe in Jesus, he's going to forgive us for every single one of these horrible things that we've ever said, every careless word, everything that's slipped out of our lips before. And so here's the point. If you got nothing else in anything I've said, okay, here's what I just want. I, the main thing, okay, cliff notes, focus, pay attention right here and you can pass the test, okay? Um, I, didn't, I didn't write this myself. I heard somebody say something along these lines, but here's the point I want, I want to get to today is words are free but costly, right? It doesn't cost us anything to... to, to to say them, but man, they can cost us a lot, can't they? They can't be returned, only forgiven. 
There's so many times where I've, I've said a word and I wanted to take it back, right? Like it comes out of your mouth. You're like, no, no. And then damage is already done. It's too late. You said what you said. The person's feelings are hurt. And now you've got to pick up the mess, right? Have you ever been there before? Where they're free. They come out cheaply. They come out easily. But man, they can cost us a lot. And you can't take them back, but they can only be forgiven. But praise God that Jesus forgives every, every blasphemy and every sin that we commit if we just believe and trust in him. So just getting practically, okay? When it comes to speaking about God or about God's people, we should be very reverent and very careful with the words that we say. Uh, for example, we, you know, we, saw, we talked about when it comes to concerning God, like we talked about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. We talked about kind of some of that stuff earlier. God takes his name incredibly seriously, and we should too. Um, look at what he says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We should be very careful when we use the name of God. When you, use, when you use his name. Uh, and we say it so carelessly, don't we? We say it so flippantly sometimes where we, we stub our toe and we start yelling God out and we throw Jesus' name out there. Maybe we even put Mary and Joseph in there for good measure, right? <laughs> and, and it's so easy, you hear it like people so easily just throw the name of God around like it's a curse word, right? I mean, that's the name of the holy God, the name above every name that we just sang about. And we're throwing it out there like it's nothing, like it's a dirty word. Uh, you know, for me, you know, maybe, maybe you can think about it this way. How would you feel if people started using your name like a curse word? How would you feel about that? I got a little bit of an experience of this recently. Uh, my name's Brandon, if, if, if you didn't forget. <laughs> and it's been a year of a lot of encouragement. A lot of people have been putting signs up encouraging me. Um, <laughs> don't do it, though, because you have to look over your shoulder, you know. And regardless, you know. Regardless of where you stand on that whole thing, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, part of me is like, I'm so encouraged. Everybody's cheering for me. <laughs> part of me is like, they're kind of using my name like a middle finger to somebody, you know? And so I, I don't know how to feel about that. But here's the deal. My name, whatever. It's, I, there's a lot of people named Brandon. It's not that big of a deal. If you, if you slander my name, yeah, that might hurt me a little bit, but it's not a big deal, right? But when we talk about God, the name above every other name, the holy and righteous God, who is, is like no other, and we throw his name around like that, he, that's some serious stuff right there, right? So we should, be, we should be careful. We should be reverent. We should be, we should be careful that we don't speak so carelessly about the name of God. Another way that we use God's name in the wrong way is we, we can say false things. We can speak about him in a false way, right? We can put words into God's mouth that he didn't actually say. And that's some dangerous water right there, right? That's some dangerous water. I mean, look at this. In Jeremiah chapter 28, there's a prophet named Hananiah who goes to the people. And this is right when the Babylonians were coming to take the Israelites into captivity in Babylon, right? And Hananiah goes up to everybody and goes, hey, good news. I just heard from God. It's only going to be two years. That's it. Two years in Babylon. It's going to be a real quick tour, detour. And then we're going to come right back, everybody. Don't get too worried. Well, that's not what God said. God said it's going to be 70 years. And so Hananiah is lying. He's putting words into God's mouth. God doesn't take that lightly. So what happens? God sends Jeremiah, his, his true prophet, in verse 28, in chapter 28 of Jeremiah, verse 15, it says this, Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Not good, Hananiah. In verse 16, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. And in that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. God takes his name pretty seriously. 
And so to put words into God's mouth that God didn't actually say, to say that, oh, God says this, or to, to mis, misread scripture in that way and tell everybody that God says this when that's not what the Bible says, that's scary stuff. Like as a pastor, that's a weighty responsibility for me. When I stand up here before you, all of you, like I've, my job is to say what this says and nothing more, and nothing more right? I, I can add a little commentary here and there, a joke for good measure. I think God's cool with that. I hope. But, but look, I don't want to say more than this says, and I definitely don't want to say what this doesn't say, right? I don't want to put words in God's mouth that he didn't say. And there's a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers, a lot of people out there who are doing that right now. That's the scary stuff. God doesn't take that line down. That's some serious things to put words in God's mouth that he didn't say. So if you ever hear a pastor say, oh, God told me this, you'd be like, did he really? Because unless you had like a burning bush Moses moment, right? Like you better be very careful what you say that God said. Don't put words in his mouth. Don't lie saying that he said something he didn't say. Okay, so when it comes to talking about God, we got to be very careful in how we speak about him, right? We should be reverent of who he is. And also, think about it this way, in the same way, we also need to be, we need to be careful about how we speak about people who, according to the Bible, were created in God's image, in the image and likeness of God. They're his creation. Um, look at this in, in James chapter, eight, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 and 10 through 10, it says this. The tongue, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Think about that, right? With the same mouth, we'll come to church and we'll sing praises to God and we will bless the Lord and then we will go out into the parking lot and somebody backs into our car and we will curse them out, right? Somebody who's made in the image and likeness of God. And, and think about it this way, like, if you were to sing my praises, like, oh, Brandon's so awesome, you know, you're going to cheer for me, whatever. You're to sing my praises all day long. Like, maybe that would be cool. Maybe that would make me encourage a little bit. Maybe I'd get a little awkward about it because it's like, okay, praise God, not me. But, but, you know, that'd be whatever. But then you go and you say, you're singing my praises, and then you go and you insult my kids. You think we're going to be okay? No, right? It's kind of a package deal, right? I love my kids. And you insult my kids and then you come and sing my praises. Guess what? I'm, we still got to deal with that. I'm not happy about that, right? You sing my praises and then you go say something negative about my wife. Like, hey, we're going to have a talk. We're going to have a conversation because we're a package deal. We come together. I love my family. And God's saying the same thing about us. He's saying, look, you come and you sing my praises out of one side of your mouth and out of the next side of your mouth, you're cursing people who I have created in my image and in my likeness. That's not okay. You, you say horrible and wicked and mean things to, to his children. That's not cool with him, right? It's so easy for us to go and praise God and then curse the people that he created, his fellow image bearers. Like every single person you lock eyes with as you walk out of here and in this room and everywhere else in the rest of the world is a human being created in the image and likeness of God. And we ought to treat them with that same respect that God loves and respects them as well. So let's not, let's not insult God's children either. So words, again, like I said, they're, they're, they're free, but they're costly. They, can, they can't be returned, only forgiven. And one day we're going to be held accountable for every careless word that we said. But praise God that there's forgiveness in, in Jesus. And, and last week, Pastor Bill talked about uh, the encounter that Isaiah had with, with the Lord. He had this vision of the Lord and all the, the angelic beings are before the throne, you know, singing holy, 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 kind of like what we were singing earlier, right? You, if, you, if you were here, you remember that in, in, in Isaiah. And what Isaiah responds, though, right after that, I just want to point out really quick. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, look how Isaiah responds when he sees the holy and glorious God and all these angels worshiping him. What's Isaiah's first response? It says, and I said, 
Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's my, that's my hope and my prayer that this is, this is us today. As we have sing, sang about a holy God, as we've encountered him through song, through his word, that we would go look, look at ourselves and fall to our knees in repentance and say, woe is me, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips, aren't we? That's true about me. I'm a pastor, right? I don't always say the right things. I don't always say the best things. I get angry and I get emotional sometimes and things come out of my mouth and I go, where did that come from? What in the world am I doing? But woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips in a, in, a, in a room in a world filled with people with unclean lips. But look, here's the good news. Look at the next few verses. In verse six. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is a beautiful picture about what God does for us, right? We're a people of unclean lips. And if we would just repent and say, woe is me, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner who is unclean. He, he will pay for our sins and atone for our sins and forgive us for our sins. What is it, where does the, the angel get this, the coal here? It's from the altar, right? That's where in the, in the Old Testament they would, they would put the animals that they would sacrifice. They would, they would sacrifice these animals. They would burn these animals. So it was a coal taken from the altar that they went and touched Isaiah's lips on and said, your, your sins have been paid for by this sacrifice. And that's a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. He was the sacrifice laying his life down on the altar, right on the cross for us, dying in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven and free. And if we would just humble ourselves and say, woe is me, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I believe in you. Then he will be faithful to forgive us of our sins. And every careless word that we've ever said and all these things that stand against us one day in judgment are gonna be wiped clean. Because when God sees us, he's not gonna just see us. He's gonna see the righteousness of Christ who we are in because we have been forgiven in him. It's amazing. So don't miss this, okay? If you walk out of here today and you go, you know, Brandon, you're right. I really need to clean up my language. I'm gonna work on saying better words. You've missed the point, okay? Um, yeah, that might be part of the process. But what we need is not just a change of vocabulary. We need a change of heart, right? We need God to change our hearts, to do only what he can do because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You might clean up your words for a little while, but if your heart is wicked and sinful and filthy and selfish and whatever else is going on in there, eventually that's gonna spill out. So change the heart, get to the source of the matter, and then your words will be cleaned up as well with that as your heart is changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So just my question for you today is just this. What do your words reveal about your heart? And if you're not a believer today, would you believe and trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be made new and the Holy Spirit can change your heart and so that you can be made clean and receive the forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ, which is the best thing going and there's nothing else like it. And if you're a believer today and maybe you're going, man, I do still need to clean up my language. Would you just ask God if, you, if you're saying you're convicted, just God, forgive me for all my careless words. Continue to work and change me and conform me more and more into your image and likeness. You're never gonna be perfect but we continue to grow to become more and more like Christ as we go on the journey, right? It's not always a straight up and to the right. It's always, you know, sometimes there's some dips and some valleys. But if we just keep going and keep believing, um, God's going to do an amazing work inside of you too. So words are free but costly. They can't be returned, only forgiven. One day we're going to be held accountable for everything we said, but praise God, there's forgiveness in Jesus. Amen. Amen.